Bindonomics plagiarizes disaster, forgiveness of college debt, reparation, stimulus checks, entitlements, Green New Deal, open borders, are funded by borrowed money not taxpayers' money. There's not enough cash flow to pay the deficit or short-term debt, and handouts to millions or working Americans, including millions of illegal immigrants. Who is to blame for this ridiculous scenario? Both parties are complacent by deferring fiscal accountability using cooked methods of accounting. At no level are the governmental bodies using generally accepted accounting principles. In California, the legislature passed a bill to require GAAP then reversed itself and dropped it when the public discovered that California is underwater when considering all of the commitments not accrued nor recorded. In fact, it was discovered that the budgets were treating borrowing as cash receipts to balance their budgets, then lying that they have surplus. This prevails throughout institutional accounting. While Bidenomics plagiarizes Reaganomics, he is hiding the derivative bubble the economy is setting on caused by past and present Congress ignoring generally accepted accounting procedures and the debt clock for measuring the American dream financial future is destroyed by their mismanagement. While the Chinese CCP Incorporated controls the trade supply chain and shipping with its monopsony government and monopoly two-way shipping business. Basically, China has taken over the supply lines in Asia, Africa, South and Central America, Europe with Cusco builders of cargo ships and containers for their 5,400 cargo ship fleet covering 20 American ports and 100 ports around the world. 90% of the supply line goods are shipped by seas and oceans. 75% on Chinese container cargo ships. This includes Big Tech, Big Pharma, Big Steel and excludes Exxon slash Mobil and OPEC using their own tankers. While Congress fiddles, China has already won the trade war without a shot fired. My point is our Department of Defense and State Department wastes money on open borders, WOMDs and woked-up military values, rather than reversing this Chinese dominance of global trade. As they make inroads into India, OPEC, Russia, Iran, and Western Hemisphere for backdooring American sovereignty. Also making inroads with the WHO, WTO, International Monetary Fund for World Banking, where they have a trillion-dollar line of credit in two tranches to invest in Africa and Latin America mining and oil production and currently they are appointed co-chairs of the UN Security Council. While our state, weak need defense department acquiesces to China's planned wolf warrior belt of the road and sees takeover of Taiwan, Japan, Philippines, India, Vietnam, Indonesia, South Korea, South Africa, Russia, Iran, OPEC as suppliers for his co-shipping to America and 30 other countries that export more to the US than US exports to them and they have their sights on replacing the dollar with their cryptocurrency through the Central International Monetary Fund, Import-Export Bank for calculating exchange rates, and controlling pricing of loaded ship goods internationally. My point is China isn't going to destroy American democracy, but continue to employ our distribution, trucking, rail, and airdrop to stock our wholesale, retail businesses, to sell their Asian consortium products, while pricing and controlling their two-way, world shipping monopoly, their two largest cargo ships, the Tessa and Giant, carry up to 24,000 20-foot containers out of Shanghai's 14,000-acre container farm managed by state-of-the-art robotics, eliminating manual labor. And their 20-deep harbor ports price goods as landed costs, not loaded costs, and then return with our exports to other worldwide ports as loaded costs, making a cool $1.9 trillion GDP from that worldwide monopoly being invested in expanding their military and weapons arsenal to scare off their new world order competitors. All this to inject fear in the hearts of the USA, red ink bureaucracy that's destroying our credit rating with excessive borrowing of $32 trillion current and $184 trillion long-term obligations. Underwater by $25 trillion using gap obligations versus total assets of USA Incorporated, 
per debt clock www.usedebtclock.org and www.openthbooks.com. Using inverted yield treasures for shipping costs. $7.1 trillion to foreign exporting countries to be exact, while China takes the transfer GDP for building a military to scare our state and defense department, and our politicians into submission. To expose this phenomenon, inform Americans of this manipulation, behind the scene to outsmart America, while our politicians are committing to the Green New Deal emissions free DOA, by destroying $100 trillion in revenues from our energy production profits cash flow and what GDP we have left. While the Fed destroys our capital markets with interest hikes, supposedly to fight inflation that is caused by government deficits and overspending, while using an inverted yield curve for bond treasuries and currency markets. Former Fed Chairman Treasury Secretary Janice Yellen suggests a 100-year Treasury bill may be needed to defer the bankruptcy until the next century, and a derivative bubble stock market hoping the economy can sustain a false positive bull market. My idea is to move the Federal Reserve as the National Central Bank with 50 state banks into the Department of Treasury, create a crypto dollar currency backed by USA Incorporated 8,500 tons of gold and silver, copper, uranium, plutonium, lithium, natural gas, oil, farmland supply and ensure we keep our reference currency position in the world of trade. And the stock markets, the Democrats and Republicans are endeared to big pharma, big steel, big oil, big social media, Facebook the popularity contest and Twitter a gossip column, propagandizing our millennials XYZ society into a Marxist ideology of free education and healthcare, without a patriotic work ethic for learning how to earn, for a skill to build by our once free enterprises. Meanwhile, the unionized workers call it quietly quitting and marching for a write-off of college debt. Bad judgment leads to bad results. So, it is our goal to barter a humanism new deal to replace the Green New Deal with our energy GDP taking priority, i.e., coal mining, gas producers, oil refineries, pipeline drillers, and tankers, consolidating political power into the American Swing Vote Party, for pulling the extreme left and right factions, along with the middle-of-the-road independent voters for consensus government. Then hold all governors accountable for certain societal and financial analytics for reorganizing the monstrous debt i.e., gap GDP, cash flow, crime rate, number of guns in circulation, illegal immigrants, teen pregnancies, homeless drug dealers, abortions, etc. Also attracting any dissident Democrats, i.e. Joe Manchin, and Republicans, i.e. Romney, looking for solutions rather than gridlock issues using the filibuster as the only reconciliation tool available between the incompetent administration and Congress of the uniparty institutional branches of federal government, caused by incumbents who are attorneys, bankers, economists, and public health bureaucrats. None of which, by background, are candidates that have ever started a business, invented a product or tech application. Thus, our great American enterprise is in jeopardy. Welcome. This is the Global Summit House Podcast. Catch power interviews and discussions with influential, inspiring, and powerful people. Explore what's possible by tuning into this podcast with our all-new The Writer's Project episodes, featuring one of the world's most inspired thinkers and writers. Visit our website at www.globalsummithouse.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the show. You're listening to Table Talks, and I'm your host, Joshua King, with another amazing episode. And guys, we have a, a very special guest on the show today. We have a CPA, 
a fellow in the American College of Healthcare Administrators, a licensed nursing home administrator, and CEO of All American Care, Inc. He has written six published books and over 100 published articles on reimbursement and management systems. Today, we have Jerry Rhodes on the show. Jerry, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. Good to be here. Well, thank you very much, Jerry, and, you know, just excited to have you on and, you know, talk about your books. But before we get into that, I'll just give you some time here, and if you can, just introduce yourself to everybody on the show. Okay. My name is Jerry Rhodes. As uh, Josh said, I'm a CPA. Uh, my background is principally healthcare, the financial side of healthcare, which is a hot topic these days. Uh, I was with Arthur Anderson, a large accounting firm in Chicago when Medicare got passed. And I was a part of the, the team that Blue Cross hired us to come in and roll out the financial side of Medicare, the hospitals initially, then physicians and nursing homes. So I've been around or involved in healthcare since the 1960s, so that kind of ages me, I guess, a little bit. But recently, we, my, my son and my wife uh, and I uh, acquired three nursing homes. So our experience was, prior to that, was with clientele consulting. Actually, a lot of my consulting was for the federal and state government when it comes to applying the rules and regulations. Mm. And feeling that there was something missing in the operation of nursing homes since they had such a bad reputation and we were consulting with them and setting up systems and things are getting better we thought we could do better so we acquired three nursing homes which we then sold because of the pressure by state regulators to just do it their way and we were there to to try to change the way it's done and improve the care and also the number of people that we could restore and they could go home. So that's a little bit of a of, of my background. Well, thank you for sharing that with us, Jerry. Let's get into these books that you have, Failing Government Taketh Away and the American Enterprise Manifesto. Healthcare is an extremely hot topic right now, and I'm very excited that you're on the show so you can kind of you know, really get some education here because, you, like you said, you've been involved with this since the 60s, and so... You've seen a lot of change, and you just you know how hot, uh, much of a hot topic it is today. So very relevant conversation. Very glad to have you. Let's talk about failing government taketh away. What inspired you to write this, and what can readers learn from this book? Well, that particular book was written after we uh, sold our nursing homes because of the the way that the, the rules and regulations are applied to private owners. But within that book, it talks about uh, the problem that we have with, first of all, funding health care, and secondly, on how we measure quality. And right now, the funding is not covering the costs. Matter of fact, we haven't even recorded all the costs because we don't record in the government. We don't record anything until it's expended. We're not recording obligations. So we don't have on the government's books recorded the unrecorded commitment and obligations that have accrued 
for each year on the books. It's merely what's been budgeted and what's been spent. Mm. So the first problem, of course, is that we don't know, uh, or I think we don't at least report the current financial situation. And when Obamacare was passed, that was not a key element in Congress for voting for or against. Matter of fact, it was misleading because it only dealt with 10-year averages and didn't factor in the aging uh, baby boomers. Mm. And baby boomers are coming on the Medicare at 7,000 per day and 10,000 per day on Social Security. So with those heavy commitments and with a population that's not very that very healthy, then we've got problems that are going to continue to escalate. And within failing government, that's where it gets into, yeah, why we're, why we're failing to fund it and why we're failing in measuring what we're pr- providing. And then you get into the current politics of it is who's going to pay for what and do the individuals have to internalize the responsibility to stay healthy or now it's externalized because somebody else is paying for it. Mm -hmm. Typically, the younger people are paying for the older people and the older people are the ones that are getting sick. I'm not trying to be just negative. I'm just trying to say the situation that we have to deal with, first of all, is funding, and then how do we take care of people and what kind of an outcome. Rather than just worry about the income of the providers, the physicians, and hospitals, we need to start defining what outcomes are and what we're going to get for all. We're spending $3 trillion a year on health care. That's the biggest budget item that there is. So that book uh, deals with you know the background and then how we took over three nursing homes and our goal was to come up with a method that would bring the, the responsibility to to that community and to that family and to that patient for staying healthy and trying to uh, restore people so they could go home rather than warehouse mm-hmm. people in, in these nursing homes. So that was our goal. Uh, we restored them. We bought three. We put five hundred thousand dollars in each of the uh, of the, the facilities. Made them look good, smell good. Hired more staff. Got better food, and started our practice of getting people up and active, mentally and physically. This builds their um, uh, functional status, so they can either be happier in the facility. And we don't have to just, you know, just babysit, but also have the, the hope of going home. So that book lays out what I call a, a solution to what exists now for the operators. A good, probably 70, 75% of the nursing homes are owned by chain operators. So they're not locally owned. They're owned outside for investment in the real estate principally and then the healthcare is kind of secondary to the real estate and I think that in itself is wrong uh, our our goal was to to plan and, and restore the facility put in our software systems that would could build Medicare and Medicaid and show them what we were providing so we could get adequate resources and uh, 
then, after we had three models built, we would then rent the facilities out to a local business man and woman that had that would become licensed, and they would be responsible for the daily operations with us in the background to support that. And then if there was any financing that needed to be done, we would have to then go to the financial institutions as, as we have in the past. But it was going to be a franchise business. And we, and the three that we set up that, that were working, uh, we could not get enough backing from investors to go ahead and acquire more. Iowa has mostly rural facilities and they're not being taken care of. So that's, again, the essence of that book is to show why healthcare, when it's administered by the government, is going to continue to fail financially and uh, in terms of quality. Yeah, I have to agree. Yeah, I have to agree with you on that. And, you know, I don't pretend to know, you know, all the ins and outs of the healthcare system by no means. But it's pretty clear we are missing something here. Um, and like you touched on, too, you found out that there's there's a lot missing in our nursing homes. And so, I mean, in fact, I used to work at a nursing home many years ago. And you're right. It just seems like more of a babysitting and warehouse warehousing, you know, of people. And it's quite sad, really. Um, what do you think it is? Is it is it the United States? Is it our society, our outlook on health care or... Where do you think the disconnection is and how we're taking care of people? Well, it goes back to when we first started rolling Medicare out. Because Blue mm. Cross was the primary insurance company, health insurance company. And they promised everyone that your employer will pay the bill for your health care. So that externalized the, the, the payment to an outside party. And so I think the mistake with doing that is that, that the covered lives, healthcare lives, were being paid for by the employer, but there was no requirement for the individual to, you know, to, to take care of themselves and, and qualify for the, the coverage. So the healthcare of America since that time has been eroding, in my opinion, and I've got three other books on, on why that's happening. And why it's the most important thing is for the individual to take and internalize the responsibility and not think it's a right here in this country to have health care. It's a privilege that we somehow have to earn by taking responsibility for that. You know, and, and that goes in many different forms. It's physical, mental, emotional. A lot of things are affected by our health. And, and and how and how we approach staying healthy. So I think that's kind of where we went wrong day one. Well, as it got more expensive and more and more people aged and whatever, the employers could not afford mm-hmm. to just hand out free health care. I mean, we can't afford it today. When they talk about free health care, there is no such thing. You know, ultimately somebody has to pay the bill because the providers don't work for nothing. So you can kind of get a, maybe a, a feel for right now when it's costing $3 trillion and people are talking about making it another $6 trillion by giving away health care on, on an annual basis. There's not enough, not enough wealth in the world, really, to, 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 
make those handouts, and it doesn't really solve the problem of people taking responsibility for their own welfare. I do propose a solution, which is, you know, first of all, an example of, of the government running anything is the post office and DA. And DA is still in shambles because they build these tall buildings where everybody's supposed to go and you're all sitting in the waiting room forever. I proposed when we had our facilities, and it used to be the case that we would take veterans immediately and start providing uh, rehab and restorative services with the help of the medical community and hospitals to get them back into society. And I've written articles on that. Well, that, that isn't being done. We need to spread that responsibility for those veterans throughout the healthcare system and not just in certain VA hospitals. So that's a part of the solution. The other part is each individual has their own savings account. Now we have a medical savings account, but Obamacare did away with those, hmm. essentially. But I call it shift, shift healthcare to an investment funding trust. So we shift away from government control to privatizing healthcare and it would be administered by what what uh, they've done with life insurance they would be mutually owned healthcare insurance companies you could choose your own that would probably be 15 20 maybe who knows how many out there and that's their business it's for processing claims and administering the the, the uh, reimbursement of, to the providers and reinvesting their uh, the funds that in the in the in each individual savings account into uh, private private industry, stock market, or even the healthcare providers. So that model takes away the administrative costs now that are, are we, we really don't even have any idea how much is been being spent or wasted by having the government uh, handle everything. And for example, there was a situation in Texas where a company that registered for uh, Medicare for uh, our, uh, motorized wheelchairs billed the government for 35,000 uh, power wheelchairs and just took the money and ran. They were even, never even produced or placed. There's the fraud and abuse that's talked about it has really been created because it's all a government administered program. And it's so big that no one really has their arms around it. So we shift, shifted from government control, and they control everything at this point, uh, Medicare, Medicaid, uh, VA, and the insurance companies that special intermediaries work for the government. So that is what I, in my book, call, and it's an economic term, monopsony. M-O-N-O-P-S-O-N-Y, monopsony. Well, what is that? Well, it's the opposite of monopoly. When you have monopoly, you have one one business such as Microsoft controls the sale and distribution of the product and the price and the quality. And it, it destroys, of course, competition. Monopsony is where we have one uh, entity, which is the government, that controls the distribution of the money for paying 
the whole network uh, for delivery of healthcare. And right now, that payment is all based on input units, not on outcomes. So a hospital's paid for it by diagnosis. Doctors are paid by diagnosis. Well, diagnosis is an input uh, 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 definition. What we need is, is what are we going to get for uh, repairing a, a person that has a stroke that also had was diabetic and respiratory and whatever. And we call that the, the healthcare model. And modeling is all built on the basis of, uh, first of all, diagnosis, and then what kind of problems are related to the diagnosis, and what are the interventions, and, and, and the cost accounting, but forcing the providers to account for their costs and the end result. You know, how many people are going home? How many people have to stay? How many are referred to nursing homes? How many are staying and how many are going home? a whole system that is based upon management of the process. I call it an episodic system. As you can track under that system from the, from the physician office to the hospital, to the nursing home, to the assisted living, to the to home, home care, because it's all connected for each individual. Now it's not connected at all. So I don't know if you're getting the, mm-hmm. the and I'm sure you are, getting the point here is that we have no control over the cost or quality, the way it's administered. And doctors paid on the amount of encounters they do, pharmacy on the pharmacies that are written by the physicians, everything is driven by input, not by output. And how could that be? Well, it's all institutionalized. Everything that the government's involved in, 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 in embraces institutional accounting and funding and everything. It is, it is an enterprise, and that my my book on the American enterprise is that we have to start looking at these things in this country as enterprises, not as institutions. And then we start getting the thought process to be more cost-effective, provide better quality, be more efficient. None of those factors are in healthcare at this present time. And uh, so if I were to make a speech to Congress, uh, I would say, you know, Healthcare has to be looked at as an enterprise. We bring capitalists, capital into that enterprise. We bring the social aspect when we have the employees into that uh, entity. So we're bringing capitalism and socialism together in an enterprise. Mm-hmm. So why should we fight what, which is better than capitalism or socialism when we have to have both? And we focus on enterprise, not on uh, party lines. The, the conservatives versus the liberals, or so on and so forth. So, so that book gets into a better way for a third party to to break the logjam and start bringing this into focus on the great American enterprise, which is basically the consumer of the world. You know, these trade agreements are one thing, but you know, we're we're the consumers of the world. We also are technically the producer of most of the technology. I'm glad you mentioned uh, a few things in there, and it kind of alludes to your other book that we were talking about, the American Enterprise Manifesto. Um, at some point, we as human beings, as as uh, individuals, I, I think you're totally right, have to take responsibility and ownership again of our own health. And I think you you know you really illustrated that over the course of time, all that responsibility has been placed 
in the hands of the government. And it seems to me that we are just, is, and maybe you can, and you've already touched on this or maybe can explain more, but the great United States of America, have we just become just total, all the way dependent on government to solve all of our problems? And are we just walking around with no control, like clueless and no control? No, you're correct. Um, there was an article written by a guy, Charlie Reed. He's since deceased, but it, I, I, I start my book out, American Enterprise Manifesto, where his, his position is, is the gang of 545 run everything, but they solve nothing. And the 45 would be the 90 or the, the, the 100 uh, senators, the 435 Congress men and women, the nine Supreme Court justices and the president, they basically lead you to believe that, that they're in the problem-solving business. They're passing 40,000 laws a year across this country at, at federal and state levels, most of which take our freedoms away and say that, that they, are in, they are in control by enforcing these laws. And each law takes another piece of our freedoms away so again the point being here is is that uh, the individual is not staying healthy because they're not taking responsibility for it and there's uh, all kinds of things that, that they can do individually in their lifestyle to improve their health and their and their happiness and prosperity but no, we're saying we have all these entitlements. We don't just have, Medicare is not an entitlement. It's a savings program. It belongs to the people that put their money aside. Medicaid's an entitlement. Workman's comp is an entitlement. Disability is an entitlement. We have 13 other entitlement programs, food stamps, that have been laid out there to say, okay, the government's gonna solve your problem. No, they have just created a monster. Because eventually, you know, uh, we'll all be riding the, the government dole. And that's called Social Security and Medicare, and I'm thankful for it right now because my wife and I are both on Medicare and Social Security. But it, it's, it's, <laughs> it's declining in, in its ability to cover things. So what's going to happen? Well, in any failing enterprise, which is what America is, when you become insolvent, insolvent and can't pay your bills, then something has to be done. And in the American Enterprise Manifesto, it says not a wealth tax, but we have to have those that have made a lot of money on the system need to start reinvesting back into America. Mm -hmm. They need to pay the debt now. I said before, we're not, we haven't recorded all the debt. If, we were, if, we were, if the books were not cooked, Americans would, <laughs> would vote for somebody else.
more and more uh, in the in the swamp, I guess as our president would call it, um, or as I've called it, failing government pays up the way because they're certainly going to take away when they can't cut the checks for Social Security and Medicare because there's no no money and they can't borrow anymore. Then that's the day that you know re- reality sets in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I like your approach. It's very realistic. You know, um, you mentioned earlier it might sound negative, but really it's real. It's a realistic uh, analyst of, of what's going on, you know, in our current state here. And, you know, yeah, very common sense solutions. But what happens is, like you were mentioning too, things just get too political. And then, well, nothing gets done. So how do we, how do we get away from that? How do we start implementing common sense solutions is that a possibility oh no i think it's i think it's imperative not only imperative but it's got to happen because mm-hmm. we can't go on i mean in business you know you can carry on for a while when you're insolvent but when you can't pay your bills then thing a reorganization has to take place that's called chapter 11 of the chapter bankruptcy law and there's a chapter 10 for government entities you know, someday that's going to have to, the reality is going to have to be dealt with. But before that, what we can do, and we, we've never had anyone successfully uh, set up a third party that would uh, uh, break up the, the logjam. Okay, mm. the American Enterprise Party, which is, is recommended in the American Enterprise Manifesto, it's not a, I'm not out here saying we we got a, uh, have tillage and, and, and riots and whatever, we, we really can do this with some common sense. The third party, like I say, brings con- capitalism and socialism together. So we've got the middle basically being represented by the American Enterprise Party. The extremes are where we are now with the red and the blue. Mm-hmm. They're promising capital, uh, capitalism as the solution and the stock market and the socialists are saying we got to get free education and all that. But in the middle, there's 40% of the people now that call themselves independents are enterprising Americans. And, and on the right, left, those, those uh, blocks, uh, voting blocks, are also enterprising Americans. Who, who represents the enterprise of America? You know, who is that? Well, no, we have big corporations represented by the Republicans, and then you have the wealthy people who typically represent by by the, the wealthy, and no one's representing at least 40, 50% of, of the voting block. And so what could that do? It doesn't have to win the presidency. It doesn't have to win all the seats in anything. If they could win eight seats in the Senate and 20 seats in the House, they are the, the swing vote, which brings with it a, a change. Mm-hmm really forces the whole system to start now considering that government doesn't solve problems. They only create them with every law that goes on the books, stays on the books. We don't even know how many we got, how many, how much it costs. And 40,000 new ones each year costs us 200 billion a year to implement it. And no one's tracking whether there's any benefit to that. So it's all about competition. The red and the blue are just the gang of 545 that run everything and they're only concerned about re-election principally 
you know, I got to give Trump credit. He's concerned about a lot of other things that should be dealt with and is dealing with it. But he's doing it, you know, pretty much on his own. Mm-hmm. Having having to make this change that I'm talking about would be along that, that same line that, that he's going. And so we have to make the, the great American enterprise uh, be able to not allow what America has done and has to be, you know, peeled off. I mean, we let we let China come in and use our markets, and we don't charge them anything. Mm-hmm. The balance of trade is, is eighty billion a month, or eighty billion. A, no, it's eighty billion a year. Um, no, it's more. It's eighty billion a month. And what he's trying to do, of course, is to to get the balance of trade back. Mm-hmm. We don't get the balance of trade back. We continue to have to borrow more money from our competitors. They're going to own, you know, half of the United States mm-hmm. somehow or, or some way. So the third party is strategy-wise only has to be able to bring the message to the public that this is this is the problem, and these are solutions that are there. And number one is healthcare. Number two is education. Number three is um, uh, certain freedoms that we that we want back because they've been taken away. So it's really a, a common sense approach to saying here's here's an alternative. Will it have any impact on the right and the left? You better believe it. Mm-hmm. These extremes will pretty much go away. You know the talk of free this and free that. Uh, there's going to be a, a whole lot of people and probably are sitting there in their kitchen saying that can't work you know uh, we're going to give everything away no that can't work so that's that's my thinking and again you know you have an important message here and like I said this is such a relevant topic and I think that this is an important message to us all here because you said that you just now the red and blue are becoming stream and i think more and more people more and more people are falling in line in the middle so where can we find your books okay i have a website it's uh, www.jerry j e r r y roads r h o a d s author.com jerry roads author.com jerry roads author spelled r h o A-D-S, no E in the roads. All right, I'll make sure to put a link in the... Okay, I'll make sure to put a link in the description so that we can go and find these books. Uh, Very, like I said, important messages here. Uh, It's time that we do take things seriously and look at this in a realistic um, approach and, and implement these common sense solutions like you were talking about. I do have three books on health on how you can uh, your life how how your lifestyle affects your health. One is called Lifestyles uh, for Aging, and there's a there's a website on that. It's www.lifestylesforaging.com. My wife and I have been writing these books. Uh, there's another one called Never Too Old to Live. Um, it's on that. And on that website, I just said, and then we have just released the book, How to Live Forever, 
which is uh, 12 vows and habits to live by. Happy, happily forever after, anyway. We just had our 60th anniversary and- uh, Congratulations. We're going to go for the world's record or die trying. (laughs) Happily trying. That's awesome. Congratulations, by the way. And so, like we are talking about earlier, you know, we really need to, because this is where I'm at in my thinking, and I'll just kind of tell you my opinion here. The least thing I can do is, you know what, I can take control of what I'm doing in my life, my lifestyle, what I'm eating, what I'm doing. You know, I can make an impact Mm -hmm. and not have to depend so much on this failing system that we have uh, and things like that. And I think that, you know, we really need to wake up um, in, in America and stop the dependency on government in, in, in all aspects, welfare, food stamps, you know, all this stuff. There's things that yeah. we, especially today, Jerry, with technology, uh, there's so many things and resources and tools that we can do on our own as, like you said, enterprising Americans. Get out there and, you know, take control of yourself and, and your future and then, therefore, impacting others. So, uh, I, again, I'm glad to have you on the show. Is that kind of what is that? Does that make sense? Does that fall in line with what you're saying too? Oh, absolutely, mm. absolutely. I think there's so many opportunities that we're we're missing, and individuals missing, uh, because you know, technology is concerned about it taking away jobs. It's with with digital, it is expanded the number of apps out there that enable us to live a smarter life and a better life. Mm. And it's only going to expand. And it's not take, it's not robots taking us over with our, our minds being able to use these tools. And, and the whole world's going to want them. I mean, the opportunity that this country is unlimited mm-hmm. unless we kill it with too much overhead. You know, I call it fixed cost. You know how many employees we have in the government today? 22 million. Wow. That's a, that is a $1 trillion payroll. And guess what? They got the best health care. They got the best retirement. The retirement has never been recorded. That's the uh, part of the unrecorded liabilities is, is the government pensions. And they're mm-hmm. not being funded. Illinois is something like $800 billion in the whole. Yeah, I mean, where in the world is all this going to come from to be able to feed our our this giant swamp mm-hmm. that we have no control over, and then we have to rate what the 545 people are doing. Are they doing a great job? I don't think so. But we can't we can't fix it unless we have some competition in how that's all done, mm-hmm. how the voting is done, and how the elections are done, and, and how and and you know this constant uh, battling of the two parties I think is concocted because they still control all the money. And it's the golden rule. Those who have the gold rule. Mm-hmm. And that's not supposed to be the way America runs. And I don't want each individual, you know, sitting at home voting on their computer. That doesn't make any sense to me at all. We have to have representatives. But they don't all have to be attorneys from Harvard or, or, or uh, you know, we, we, Yale. It could be some common folks. And, I, and they'll say, well, they are. But they all, they're all millionaires now. <laughs> if you go look them up. Mm-hmm. They're all millionaires. Where they make that money? Off of enterprising Americans yeah. who pay all the bills. It isn't Gates and, and, and Buffett paying all the bills. This bill, no. The hundred, the two hundred million workers 
are paying their bills, which pay most of all the bills. They pay property taxes, which is one of the highest taxes. Sales taxes is also high. Those two make up 30 or 40% of the taxes. It isn't income taxes that's controlling this country. It's payroll, it's payroll taxes, it's sales taxes, it's property taxes. You add up all those, mm-hmm. and the wealthy are not, you know, paying all the bills, but they're they're making all the decisions. Yep. So that that, and we need to balance out what they make versus what we make. So there's a whole lot if you can look at this as an enterprise rather than a huge institution. Then we start to get close to maybe solving the problem. But yeah, it could crash. Who knows? It will. One or the other. It's either going to crash, another stock market crash, because the Fed. If you don't watch them, and they raise that interest rate, they'll destroy the housing market again. And that's what happened in two thousand five and seven. When Bernanke came in, he he almost doubled the discount rate to his banks, and all of those fixed rate subprime mortgages couldn't make their payments. It wasn't just Wall Street that destroyed destroyed the housing market. It was the Fed, and it was Bush and 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 and, and uh, the uh, Secretary of Treasury who came out of uh, Wall Street and Bernanke who ran the Fed. In my opinion, caused the Great Depression, mm-hmm. which it was because people lost three trillion, three or three or four trillion, thirty trillion dollars of the value of their homes. Our home went from six hundred twenty thousand to three hundred eighty thousand. Wow! And overnight, we've been paying our mortgage, you know, for years. So the the misconception is is that it wasn't Greenspan that caused it because he kept his hand on the the throttle. When he retired, Bernanke came in. Boom! Mm-hmm. They started upping the interest rates like Carter did in the nineteen. 19- 70s when it went to 23 percent to put out put all the savings and loans out of business, which it did, and it was reincarnated as stimulus. And Obama fell into the trap too, so they bailed out big corporations that could have filed for bailed them out. Yeah, Chapter 11 bankruptcy to get down some of their debt. Mm-hmm. So that's all in the book. It's, it's all documented. There was no reason for those kind of interest rates because inflation was low, and they did it penalize Wall Street for subprime mortgage packaging, in my opinion. Yeah. So, there you have it. Well, not all of it, but thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely, Jerry. And I thank you for really illuminating this and getting me to think in a different way because I never thought of it as an enterprise, but, you know, you're absolutely right. And my, I guess my hope is that technology and these advancements will level the, the playing field for the enterprising Americans and um, make some changes, common sense changes like we were talking about. And I'm also thankful that you have solutions. You have these two books that we can take a look at and um, learn more about what's really going on with all your expertise. Like you said, uh, experience dating back to the 60s, you have a lot of knowledge and experience, but then also offering the things that we can do to take uh, control of our own health and lifestyles, those books as well. And I'll provide all those links guys so we can go check out those books jerry again hey thanks for being on the show today oh thank you uh josh if you want me back you know just let me know definitely i think that we have a lot to talk about okay great
Everyone, that was Jerry Rhodes. Jerry is a CPA, a fellow in the American College of Healthcare Administrators, a licensed nursing home administrator, and CEO of All American Care, Inc. He has written six published books and over 100 published articles on reimbursement and management systems. Talking with Jerry has been very enlightening, and I am very thankful for him to be on the show today and talk about these things. You know, it's very important that we do, and I am so thankful for Jerry to to be on the show and talk about his books and what he's doing to help others see that insight as well. And I'll make sure to provide those links in the description so you can go to check out his books and more about Jerry. Everyone, thank you for listening to the show today. And remember, you can go to my website, hellomynameisjosh.com. That's hellomynameisjosh.com and learn more about me there, my books. And you can also listen to all my episodes right there on the website, all archived for your listening pleasure. You can also go to wherever you like to listen to podcasts and find me there as well. Remember, if you like what you're hearing, please share with your friends. Again, thank you for listening and thank you for Jerry for being on the show today. Until next time, I'll talk to you later. You've reached the end of another episode of the Global Summit House podcast. Subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Podbean, iHeartRadio, iTunes, or Google Play. Connect with us at globalsummithouse.com. See you on the next episode.